Oh, it's been two weeks. It's been too long, but we've got him back now. The gardening guru, <laughs> David Peterson. Good afternoon and welcome. Hello, Dave, and good afternoon to everyone. And I tell you, we've had a bit of a mixed bag, a little bit of rain, a little bit of sunshine. Yes. What about this morning, Dave? Cold. Very, very cold. Cool. Yes. I think one of our coldest mornings so far That's this year. That's the first one, mm. yes. What about for today? For all those that call through between now and one thirty, they go in the running to win a, a wonderful little gift pack. They do. What have you brought in for us? I, I've actually brought something fairly new today. I mean, look, they've been around for ages but this is actually a new variety. It's a blueberry, and it's called Blueberry Burst, and it's really, really tremendous. It, As I said, it's a new variety. It only grows up to around about 1.8 to 2 metres high. It's actually got flowers on it ready to set fruit, good. ready to set fruit. So there you go. I mean, if you win this today, you will have fresh blueberries at fingertips. So uh, that's the one I'm giving away today as well. As whoa, that whoa, I'm, whoa, whoa, slow what, down. What, Dawn, what? Dawn's taking notes. I yes, slow down, yes. not too far. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Explain to people who don't. Okay, is. for those people out there, we've actually got an exchange student in here today from Hong Kong. She's actually overseeing Lifestyle Solutions, who I work for. So Dawn's a very, very special guest that we've got here today. So we may chat to her a little bit later on. Slow down. And G- she's from Hong Kong. G-U-E-S-T, so. <laughs> yes. Talk she slower. speaks very, very good English, Dave. She so does. we don't need to slow down at all. So getting back to our gift that we're giving away, of course, we're giving away also a bottle of the, um, the Aquaman. This is the water storing granules that we actually apply to soil to retain the moisture in gardens. Don't forget, we still need that at this time of the year during winter. People think, oh, it's cold, it's damp, we don't need to water, but we certainly do need to keep the water up to our gardens, even though it's during the winter time. As well as that, we've got a box of the Fostritin. Now, this is the rose tonic, which is the one that we dilute and we water onto the garden. As well as that, of course, I've got some other goodies there in sachets to go with that as well, Dave. That is the gift pack. Now, to be in the running, all you have to do is give us a call and it's gardening talk back 49216216 let's say hello to marie who's been waiting patiently for us david hello marie hi how are you good thank you that's good what can i, I do for you to, i don't have any questions or anything i'm just ringing to say that um not last saturday but the saturday before i went to your nursery mm-hmm. and i bought a beautiful lily and a beautiful blue and white pot right and the plants were just so beautiful that I had to go back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's but great I, to hear. I went back on Saturday and bought two more pots and a, and a beautiful Friolina Aquamarine. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah, I just want to say what a beautiful place that is. Oh, thank you very much yeah. for that. It's just beautiful, and I just want to say how much I enjoy going Oh, th- that's really lovely, Marie, and just hope that you'll come back when the cafe is opened as well. I will. <laughs> okay, that's lovely. Thank you for that. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And our next call today, I think this is Lorraine. Hello, Lorraine. Hi, how are you? Good. This is my first time, so I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. You're just talking to me over the phone. Okay. What I'm ringing for is we have an atrium in the middle of the house that goes straight up to the sky, which is a beautiful talking spot. Yes. Talking point. I'm sure we it would be. Fig- we have a figus in the middle in a lovely pot. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's filling up with water when it rained. It's four metres high and it looks beautiful. But now it's filling up with water and it's not running away. And I've been emptying it into a bucket. I'm getting like a bucket of water. Should I top it up with soil or... What to do? So, just just let me. The, the the plant that you've got is actually growing in this pot, and it fills up with water. Yes, now that yes. Okay, so and the atrium itself has been redone. Like it's, we've got um, drainage that right. goes right through, but we've got 
like stones, not right down. Yes. Stones and sandstone, so it's a big pot in there. Right. So why isn't the pot draining? Is there is there a reason? There's no I hole. I don't know why it's not. I'm just thinking maybe the roots of. Yes, because I mean that that look that can be a problem with ficus. I mean, particularly when they're such a vigorous grower, they will grow and they will actually cl- uh, cover up the holes, and that stops the pot from draining. Now, look, there's going to be have to be a way that you're going to be able to tip the pot over to try and get those holes unblocked because if you don't the the tree itself will tend to lose all its foliage and then of course the plant will die because it will drown the root system so you've got to try and work fairly quickly to get that under control so some someone nice and strong is going to have to tip that pot over meters. Yes, I know. When you said that, it's going to be a really, really difficult job. It's so much trouble trying to find something with, that would grow in there. Because yes. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's very up. We've tried, we've tried a um, lemon tree, we tried a lime tree, thinking that would be lovely, but mm-hmm. no, that wasn't good enough. So anyway... Well, we'll try that. And All right. Top it up with soil then. Uh, you will have to, once you unblock the holes, you'll probably find when you unblock the holes, a lot of water will actually run out of those out. holes. So you've got to really try and do that as quickly as you possibly can because, as I said, once you drown the root system, it will totally defoliate and then, of course, the plant will just curl its toes up and die. So you really got to do that fairly fast. Oh, and, yes, you. once you've uprighted the pot, it would be good to probably just fill it back up with some really, really good potting mixture. Okay, we listen to your show all the time. My husband really gets lots of handy hints from you, but this is my first time, so thank you very much. I was in there emptying the water and your show come out. Oh, very good. Well, good luck with that. I hope it all works out for you. There you go, Lorraine. Don't be a stranger either. You can call us anytime. We'd love to hear from you on that number, 49216216. David, I've got another call for you. I think Phil's waiting for us now. Hello, Phil. How are you, David? Great, thank you. What can um, I do for you? I've got a, a lime tree at home. Yes. And the last two years it's um, been laden with fruit, but the um, limes won't um, ripen. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we can certainly try and fix that for you. When, you, when your limes are actually on, sometimes if we don't feed our trees prior to a, f- a fruit coming onto the tree, there's not enough energy there for it. So we've got to try and give it a little bit more energy. And by doing that, it will then produce or push the fruit f- through to full fruition. Now, the only way you can do that, there is a fertilizer that's available. You probably heard me mention it for, called, called, before called potash. Now, potash yep. is available in a liquid form, so you can dilute that down with water and then you can actually water that around the root system of your lime and that actually gives it a little bit of extra push and pushes it into fully maturing the fruit for you. So, as I said, it's potash and you just need to dilute that and water that around the root system. Okay, great. All right. Yes, uh, would, it, would it be a problem if, because um, we've got a mandarin tree and a lemon tree, that they're all within about three metres of each other, would that make, cause a problem as well or not? Probably would cause a problem because, I mean, they'd all be competing against one another because with citrus trees, their root system is fairly close to the ground, so therefore they would be competing. So, as I said, make sure in the very early parts of the spring that you actually feed it with a citrus fertiliser. That way all of those elements go down into the ground and feed those trees. Uh, and then, of course, once they have got fruit on them well that's when you'll start them on the potash which is the liquid yep. fertilizer that will help promote them through okay thank you very much you're welcome 
Okay, bye-bye. It's 49216216 if you'd like to give us a call for Gardening Talkback. There's a free line waiting there for you right now. David, I'm really concerned. What's what's wrong? First real cold morning. Yes. What about our plants this morning? How would they be feeling? Well, look, I mean, certainly by this time of the year, we should be starting to get uh, cold days because yeah. we are in the middle of winter, so therefore the temperatures should be dropping down. So everything's adjusting. You'll probably notice prior to that, we've had lots and lots of things that are still growing very, very actively, uh, including the grass. The grass is now stopped and the weeds are still growing of course um, but yeah look it, it's just natural it's just Shouldn't natural. Shouldn't we take out a bucket of warm water or something no, just to put around no, them to make no, them feel? No we don't need to go to like all that trouble. Them. Indoors yes yes we can still do that if you probably heard me before particularly when we're watering our indoors if we water them with just off cold water so it's just not cold but it's just lukewarm and probably put a little bit of fertiliser into that. Yes yeah. they will appreciate that but certainly not for the outside ones. The only thing I do want to mention with that is certainly do not water the plants first thing of the morning when it is really, really cold. Try and do Wait that in the, the middle afternoon. of the afternoon. Try and do it in the middle of the day so yeah. that, that once again by the end of the day everything's dried out, ready for the evening to come along again. So Great tip. I needed to ask. Okay. I'm worried about them. Oh, you are? It would be a shock for well, them. Well, it's, it's good this to hear that you are. It would be a real shock, I think. It would be as it was to all of us, yeah, yes. Yeah, to all of yes. us, yeah. And I just thank God I don't do the breakfast show. <laughs> I'd hate to get out of bed uh, 4.35. It's a little hour. early, little early, yes. Yeah, so yes. Stay where it's nice and warm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to continue with calls, 49216216, if you'd like to give us a call. And we continue right now. We've got Jerry with us for Gardening Talkback. Hello, Jerry. Good morning, Dave, or good afternoon, David. I have uh, a couple of citrus trees and lily pillars that have got a lot of black soot on them. The leaves are curling on the ends, and they've got uh, like an aphid up the stem. Okay. We've got a fair few different problems there. <laughs> let's let's tackle them one by one. First of all, the black stuff that's on the on the both those trees is thing called sooty mould, and it's yep. usually caused by a scale that's also on the plant, and that would also attract the aphids because once the scale eats into the plant, it causes sap to come out, and then of course the aphids love the sap that comes out. So we can actually treat them just with the one product, and that product is anti scale. If you try and get some anti scale, that will actually treat the sooty mould. It will kill the scale and also will kill the aphids that are on the plants as well. So if you mostly just spray all over the plant, just don't do it too heavily, just a light spray over. Repeat it again in 14 days' time just to make sure you've got on top of that disease. Now, the curly leaf that's on your citrus mostly, and that generally attacks the young foliage, uh, you'll find is called citrus leaf miner. Now, that only attacks your citrus during the warmer months. Once Once the warmer months have gone, the citrus leaf miner dies away. So what you'll do with your citrus in the spring is just trim them back that'll take all of that foliage away you'll get brand new growth and you'll get that really lovely growth to begin the season with so you've taken care of that problem as well okay thank you david thanks very much you're welcome jerry thank you bye Bye. and we've got james with us now good afternoon hello james oh david hello look uh, it's uh, i've got two persimmon trees and every year they have hundreds and hundreds of persimmons on them that get as big as a man a marble and they turn brown and drop off Okay. on two separate trees. Well, look, I think this sounds, if, particularly when they're turning brown and falling off, they may be getting a fungal disease in them earlier in the season, which would cause them to slowly just go brown and then, of course, rot away and fall off. Yeah. Persimmons also, of course, get attracted by fruit fly, but seeing as they're such small fruit and they're falling off, I don't think it would be the fruit fly. I think it would be more so a fungal disease that's actually getting on them. Now, to stop this from happening, James, once your fruit has 
actually on the tree, you're probably wise to spray the tree just with a good general fungicide spray. This will kill, of course, any fungal spores that may be around at the time or prevent them from actually getting onto your fruit. Is that on the leaf or on the trunk? Because these only get as big as a marble. Yep. Okay, that would be basically on the fruit. Uh, normally, they normally would have some signs of, of um, foliage on them by then. So it doesn't hurt to spray this product on the foliage as well, but more so on the fruit. Uh, right. So you're actually getting it in contact with the fruit where the problem is. Where we have hundreds of them and, and it looks terrific and the flowers first, of course, and then... They turn up nothing. Yes, well, that's a shame when that happens because persimmons, of course, we wait all season for them to yes. produce fruit. So try so, try the Mancazeb. That's the one that's going to um, right. get that under control for you. Okay. Then does, does it hurt also to put uh, cow manure on, on the land or fowl manure around the bottom of them? Look, it certainly doesn't. Cow manure is great because it serves as a feeding manure as well as a mulching manure. So it actually does two jobs for you at once. Yeah, and the other quick one, I have a small, bought a uh, small orange tree, and it's only about uh, five foot high, and it, it uh, it's never had any fruit on it. Okay. I'm thinking about digging it out and putting another one in. Well, I probably wouldn't do that. I, th I think I'd try some citrus fertiliser on it, perhaps when we get to the spring months again, because that's going to help produce the, the flowers. But not only citrus fertiliser, try something like a potash granular fertiliser. You've heard me mention about the liquid yes. fertiliser, but try yes. the granulated potash, because it's actually going to go in the ground with the citrus fertiliser and try and help promote the, the flower for you. All right, David. Well, I've made a note of them. Very Thanks. good. Thanks for your advice. No, my pleasure, James. Goodbye. Bye-bye now. It's Gardening Talkback. Why don't you give us a call? We'd love to hear from you. Who we got there? Wayne. Hey, how are you doing today? Hello, Wayne. What Hello. can I do for you? I'm uh, growing some asparagus. Yes. Can you tell me how I do it? I've had them in the, in the ground for about two months. Okay. Well, first of all, with asparagus, they like hilled grounds, which means that you hill the ground up because with asparagus, they like a very, very well-drained position. And if they don't get good drainage, the roots will rot and they will just rot away for you. Secondly, you don't just grow one asparagus. You've got to grow a bed of them because sometimes you'll find the one asparagus plant sometimes only produces the one spike. Yeah, I've got about a, probably... Eight or ten. Okay, that's great. Thirdly, they will take up to about three years to form the spikes. Now, you will see the spikes actually shoot from the ground and you will pick them when you actually identify them as an asparagus sprout. If you let, if you let them grow too much higher, you'll find they'll just go into foliage. So you actually watch for the spikes to appear and then yep. you cut them from the ground. So, And as I said, that generally occurs about on the third year of when you've had the asparagus in. Takes a fair while, eh? It certainly does. It certainly does. But of course, once they've started bearing, they will continue to bear each year. They will keep multiplying. During the winter time, they will die down to nothing. So basically, you've just got a bear garden there, and that's the time when you throw lots and lots of sugarcane or lucerne or something like that over the garden, and lots and lots of cow manure because that helps produce the fruit for the following season for you. And that, uh, the foliage, you don't cut that back when it looks like it's gone to seed? Do you well, cut that back or you just don't, leave it as it you is? You just leave it as it is because during the wintertime it will just die back and just die away and then it will just break off the, 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 the root system. Okay. 
Terrific. All right. Thanks very much, David. Thank you very much, Wayne. Gardening Talk back this afternoon. Hello, who's calling? It's Zach. Hello, Zach. How are you? Good yourself, mate. Good, thank you. What can I do for you? I, I'm, I want to grow inside under a little purple fluorescent light. Yes. And uh, lettuce, parsley, them type of things. I'm mm. wondering what else. You know, what could I grow there so I could just snip them off and uh, add to my meal and, uh, you know, and uh, how close, what type of, like, purple light. Okay, so you, you've, you actually bought a grow light. No, I haven't bought anything, mate. Just okay, all right. Certainly with, with the grow lights for inside, mostly we only grow indoor plants underneath them. I haven't actually experimented or had anyone that's grown vegetables. If you try and grow vegetables underneath these grow lights, I think they may just tend to grow too spindly or very, very lanky, so you're not really going to get the proper sort of things growing as they would outside because most vegetables prefer outdoor conditions. So if you've got a veranda or somewhere like that, it's probably best to grow them in pots outside. But as I said, I don't think it would work for vegetables or even herbs underneath these grow lights because they would just tend to grow too lanky and it wouldn't produce the proper fruit for you. Ah, right. I've seen the lettuce growing in the hydro shop too, so... Okay, well, I mean, look, certainly try it. Um, you can, you, you make sure you, you buy the proper grow light. You can certainly experiment, but try and, if, you, if you're going to consider on doing it, put it fairly close to a window where it's getting a fair amount of natural light as well. Yeah, I haven't got a window to put it there okay. in the place living, but um, no, that's no problem. Thanks anyway. Thanks for advice. You're welcome, Zach. It's Gardening Talk Pack 49216216. Hello, who's calling? Dallas. Hello, Dallas. How are you? I'm well, thanks. What can I do for um, you? A question about a fruit that was grown where I grew up, just a little north of Dungog at Fosterton, mm-hmm. called a China fruit. Right. Now, it was had no traditional type fruit, but it was had a succulent product, succulent, juicy uh, flesh attached to the stem and the stem was in a form of a bunch like a bunch of grapes without the grapes mm-hmm. the stem was covered in this succulent flesh and i don't know what the product was used for and i was wondering if it was still available or if you had any knowledge of why it was grown and what it was used for yeah well look the only thing i can think of particularly when you mentioned this succulent stems that it had or 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 leaf that it's got uh there is a there is a particular plant that um that belongs to the zygo family which was which is still is used as a fruit but i wouldn't normally think that they would grow up around dong dongog because i mean they're fairly subtropical fruits so they require the warmth um so i mean without actually seeing a picture of it or having a particular name it's really difficult because i'm only stabbing in the dark so you you have no no knowledge of that the name China fruit? No, I don't, because the only thing I know of, because when you first were starting to talk about it, the only thing I know that's got that China name in it is just the China pear, but of course it's a proper pear, but it's a really, really uh, rock-hard pear that people often use for preserving and jamming, but certainly by your description, it's it's nowhere near what that is. Not at all, no. no. Just imagine a bunch of grapes yes. with the grapes off and the stems of the bunch are swollen right. and... You you suck or chew the 
flesh yes. off the bone. Yes, that's what makes me think it goes back to this zygo uh, family thing again, which has a fruit. And I, I just can't think of the name of this fruit. You often see it in green grocers as a pinkish-looking fruit, uh, which is basically the flower, and that's more or less what I know as what um, it could be, but I couldn't be 100% sure. This was a small tree, deciduous, yes. and about... Five metres maximum height, we had two of them. No, well, perhaps if someone else out there may, it may trigger some um, visions that they may have, but I certainly don't know it myself. I'm sorry, Dallas. It's Gardening Talk back from Monday afternoon. We love your calls on 49216216. We continue with them right now, and Linton joins us. Hello, Linton. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. I'm just calling to help you out with that. Uh, I think it was possibly the last caller asking about the Chinese plant. Yes, yes. It, it is actually a Chinese raisin. I'm actually standing in my yard under one at the moment. Chinese raisin. Well, tell us a little bit about them. Well, as as the chap said, it is deciduous. It is completely bare at the moment. It has tiny little creamy yellow flowers, uh, generally around March mm-hmm. from memory. Uh, the fruit has only just recently finished dropping off, and it's just like the fellow says, it is in a bunch, just looks like the bunch of grapes without the grapes, mm-hmm. and they swell up. They're extremely sweet. You can make jam and jelly and all sorts of things out of them, but they will help you go to the toilet if you eat too many. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's really good to know. Um, well, certainly, I've, look, I've written that down. I'm going to look it up because it's one plant, of course, I do not know, which is most unusual for me to say that because I thought I knew nearly every plant. But certainly I'm going to look into that. But um, I do appreciate you calling back, Linton. That's not a problem. Thank you very I, much. I'm just glad I could help out. Yes, if, no, that's... Um, if um, the chap would like one at some stage, I do have uh, little ones come up in the yard occasionally. Yes. So it does actually self-seed underneath or they fall off and, and, and fall into the ground? or Yes, yes. When the fruit falls off, yes. they, um, they come up uh, reasonably readily. Yes. But, uh, yes, they're quite easy to grow. Right. I, I'm at Bulga and it grows very nicely here. All right. Okay, then. Well, thank you very much, Linton. Not a problem. All right. Bye-bye now. How helpful was that? Isn't yes. it great? The people that listen in, the, exactly, the fraternity yes. of gardening listeners, That's they're so helpful. That's what it's helpful. all about. Thank you, Linton. Let's continue with calls right now. Hello, who's calling? Oh, this is Lorraine. Hello, Lorraine. Hi, David. How are you? Well, thank you. Haven't spoken for a while. We haven't. No. What? You haven't been gardening? Oh, I found it very difficult. Okay. All right. I've got somebody coming helping me. Excellent. But I've been given those beautiful um, oriental lilies. Mm. And that perfume. I've got it in the pot at the front door. Beautiful, but of course they're dying down. Yes. Do I have to let them go right, right down to virtually dead before I do anything with them. You do. You do. So just like any other bulb, they need to die back down to the ground so that all that energy goes back into the bulb before you do something about it. But certainly what you can do, Lorraine, is you can actually plant it somewhere in the garden if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that way, just make sure you mark that area where they are and they will just come up again next year for you. Well, I mean, it's nearly time to start putting those back in. We usually put our liliums in during the spring, ready for summer flowering. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if you're very, very lucky and you get those into the ground, you'll probably have them shoot away in the springtime, uh, ready for summer flowering again. Right. It did say to put them in. One thing I read said 10 inches 
down. And I thought, that's a heck of a long way. It is a long way down, but unfortunately with lilliums, they do like to be planted fairly deep. Oh, right. Mm. So fairly sunny position. Yes. And preferably in the ground, not in a pot. Yeah, look, I think sometimes in the ground, particularly where you are, I mean, the ground drains fairly well, so it would be good to just pop them into the garden somewhere and that way they'll just come up. Uh, And then, of course, you've got to stake them because they will grow on fairly long stems. uh, So make sure you do stake them and then they will flower during the summer months. Thank you, Lorraine. Gardening Talkback, we've got the latest in news coming up soon. And then we'll continue with your calls right through until 1.30 today here at 2 in your RFM 103.7. Let's continue with calls right now for you, David. We've got Derek on the line. Hello, Derek. David, nice to hear you. Lovely, excellent program. Oh, thank you. Solving people's problems. (laughs) Oh, that's what I'm here for, Derek. I'd, I'd like to just give you another one, David, if I can. Yes. Uh, last four or five months, we've planted some cooch grass. Yes. And we've got this broad leaf coming through it. Mm-hmm. And it's a horrible, horrible sort of grass. How can I get rid of that, David, or can I get rid of okay. it? Okay. Well, it's a little bit difficult during this time of the year because with, with most of the herbicides that are used, they're very, very slow, so therefore they don't work for fairly well during the winter. So, But certainly if you try during a nice sunny day, you can pop the chemical on, but just be aware, Derek, that it's going to be much slower to activate and get rid of the weeds. Now, look, if it's another grass that's coming up in the cooch lawn, you won't be able to get rid of it except for digging it out. Uh, but if it's a weed, if it's a broadleaf weed, you could use something like the bindi, which is basically designed for all types of weeds in any type of lawn. So you could try that just spot weeding individual areas. But probably for this time of the year, that's about all I could suggest for you. Is that, is that I-N-D-Y? Bindi is just spelt B-I-N-D-I-E. Oh, I see, Bindi. Yes. Oh, yes, I've got that, David. Yes. Okay. It is a grass. It's not a weed. Okay. Well, if it's a grass, grass, yeah, well, if it's a grass, it's a, it's a matter of trying to dig that out manually or very, very carefully, if you mix some zero or Roundup up, just brush that across the blade of grass very, very carefully. I know that sounds very tedious, but that's really the only way you're going to get rid of a grass out of another grass. Well, we are retired, David, so we've got plenty of time, you know. <laughs> and why not pick a good sunny day to sit down and do that on oh. the lawn? Sit out the back with your wife, eh? That's Lovely. right. <laughs> Sounds good, Derek. Okay, Derek. All right. Thanks for your time. Okay, bye bye. program. Thank you. And we've got Maisie with us now. Hello, Maisie. Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm cold. How are you? Okay. Well, what can I do for you today? Uh, in 2011, in May. I was given a flowering orchid, mm-hmm. and it hasn't flowered uh, last year, and it hasn't flowered this year, mm-hmm. but it's got brown spots on the leaves, Yes, and the leaves are growing very long and bending over and breaking. Okay. Well, Maisie, first of all, with the brown or black spots that you've got on the leaves, it could be a thing called ink spot. Now, ink spot is a viral disease which does tend to sometimes get onto orchids. If it's really bad, you're going to have to cut the leaves off that are very bad because this virus can spread through the plant very, very quickly. That will, of course, stop it from flowering because it's actually killing or slowly killing the plant. Now, if you take the really bad leaves off, pop them in a plastic bag, put them into the rubbish bin out of the way, you can then start trying to use a product called Mancazeb. Now, what is that? It's called Mancazeb, and it's spelled M-A-N. 
C O Z E B. Now you can. That's it, yes. So you try and get hold of some of that and mix that up according to directions and water that over your orchid just so you get it down into the soil as well. Over the leaves. Over the leaves, down into the soil. And just make sure, Maisie, that you try and repeat that application again in 14 days. And that should get that under control for you. Thank you very much, Dave. You're welcome. Thank what you. Mankazeb. Mankazeb, that's right, yes. Mankazeb. Okay. Thanks, Maisie. Thank bye bye. And we've got Stephen with us now. Hello, Stephen. Hi, David. How are you going? Good, thank you. Um, what I wanted to ask a friend of mine gave me um, a whole lot of English box trees yes. on the weekend. They've all been potted up, but they're sort of scraggly and, you know, horrible looking. Yep. They're probably about two feet. Um, tall, you know, sort of leggy, you yes. know, there's just a few leaves at the top. Mm-hmm. What would happen if I pruned them back to the wood? Okay, well, it's not going to harm them by doing that because boxes will shoot out eventually anyway, but the only trouble is, Stephen, doing it this time of the year, you're not going to get any growth until springtime. So you can either leave them as they are until spring or else yeah. cut them back and leave them looking fairly bare for the rest of the winter time. But certainly once we get to spring, they will shoot away nicely. Make sure, of course, you feed them up well with a good pelleted manure, which will actually force them into growth. But they okay. probably will not do much if you do them at this time of the year. All right, yeah, I might wait until spring then. Yep. You know, they're sort of leggy looking. You know, yes. they've been neglected for years, but there's, a, there's probably about 60 of them. Okay, wow. Okay. salvaging. Yes. But, uh, I just didn't want to kill them, you know, like removing the leaves, but I'll, I'll wait. You I'll, wait, I'll wait until that. spring. Once you start to see them shooting away in spring, Stephen, well, that will be the time to actually give them a haircut because you know for sure they're going to bounce back to life very quickly. Okay, thanks very much. You're welcome, Stephen. Bye. 22 past one. Waiting patiently for us is Roger. Hello, Hello Roger. Roger. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Okay, I've got two questions. Yes. I've got a rose which my wife bought, and I've never seen a rose grow so tall. It's nearly three and a half metres high. Wow, okay. And I was going to prune it, but it's showing a flowering with these beautiful pink uh, flowers at the moment, mm-hmm. so... It's apparently not ready. Okay. So July, would I would say, would be the time when the flowers stop. Well, that's right. I mean, look, as I keep saying with roses, the later the better with pruning. So even if you leave them until late July, early August even, for pruning your roses, because, I mean, it's much better to just let them flower, particularly when you've got a nice, good range of flowers already on them. So, yep, leave them as late as possible. Uh, that way you're cutting them back and they'll start to shoot back straight away very, very quickly. Is that normal for a rose to be that tall? Yes, yes it is, particularly for a lot of old roses. Look, sometimes they can reach much taller than that again, but um, but yes, it sounds like it's in the right spot and it's being treated right and that's why it's um, doing as well as what it is. All right, now, in the old days, you'd see roses pruned and they'd be covered on this white stuff. Yes. Uh, what is that? Does that... Is that beneficial? Well, look, it's it's not a thing that's often used these days. It, it, it's simply called rock lime, uh, and it was actually a, a material that you mixed up with water and you painted them on, painted it onto the roses. And you would always see a lot of council gardens that with their roses painted white. These days, it's a much simpler method. Uh, once you've pruned your roses, you just get yourself some lime sulphur, and then you just mix that according to directions, and you just spray that onto your bare roses. Basically, it um, what it does, it seals 
reveals all the cuts that you've made and it also runs down the stems of the roses and kills any old scale that may be still on the plant from the previous season. So that takes place of the rock lime. So it was called lime sulphur and it, yep. uh, it really must be done straight after you prune the roses. So you don't prune the roses one day, come back a few days later and spray it. You must do it on the same day because remembering you must seal those cuts that you've made so it stops any disease from getting into those cuts. All right. Now, the second question is I've, I bought a camellia and it was one of those, a new variety, and I've forgotten the name of mm-hmm. it, but it was supposed to be disease-resistant and uh, uh, fungus, uh, uh, you know, insect, yes. uh, insect uh, repellent. Right. Uh, but overnight I came out and it was dead. Okay. And the only thing I could find, and I looked up all the, the pests that could be on it, and the only thing it looked like was a, the uh, hibiscus flowering bug. Okay. Well, look, I don't think it would have been a bug because camellias aren't really susceptible to a lot of pests and diseases. The only thing that often affects camellias, particularly if it was only a young plant, is if it was tended to be in a position which was fairly moist and it's probably wet more, more so than moist. And it doesn't like wet feet and they will curl up their toes really, really quickly. And sometimes they could do that virtually within a couple of days. So it may have been just the saw was a little bit too wet for it. But certainly as far as bugs go... There's no real bugs that are that get onto camellias because, as I said, they are just so hardy. But it was overnight. Yeah, well, that's that's unusual that it happens so quickly. Um, but no, I mean, see, for a bug to get on it, you would have found that all the leaves would have disappeared because they would have probably been munched away to nothing. But as I said, camellias are not known for that. It's more so just in the root system that there is a problem, and that they can just um, they can just die virtually very quickly through getting too much water. Yeah, well, the soil here is, is clay. It's oh, okay. like putting a, uh, a crowbar into concrete. And that's well, not good. I, that's not what, good because I mean everything struggles to grow in clay grounds. The root system struggles because it cannot get out and cannot move anywhere. So possibly I would say uh, that would have been the problem with your camellia that it was just too heavy a ground for it. No, no. What I dug is a a meter diameter hole. And it went down, I dug down for about a metre and a half Mm -hmm. and I filled it full of, you know, beautiful garden soil. And then underneath, before I planted, I put some organic fertiliser down the bottom. Is that all right? Well, look, Roger, that can sometimes also be a bit of a problem, particularly for those people that have clay sores. Once you dig down into a clay, it's actually forming like a pot. And if it rains or you get water, all the water actually stays at the bottom of the hole. And this sometimes will drown the root system. So if any future that you do dig into the clay, make sure you make a lot of cracks and crevices in the clay so that the water can drain out through these cracks and crevices because as I said it's probably drowned because the water has just stayed in this pot-like shape that you've dug and that's probably why you've lost the camellia. Okay, just right. uh, just put some sea salt in it when I plant it. When you plant it, yes, and that of course stimulates the root system to start growing for you. All right, thanks very much. David. Thanks, Roger. Bye bye. And it brings us to our final call for the afternoon. Thank you for waiting patiently. Who we got there? Hi, it's Kim. Hello, Kim. How are you, David? Good, thank you. Um, just a couple of quick questions, if I may. I took out a um, a clivia that was in a pot, mm-hmm. and I've separated it to put in the garden. Um, a couple of the little pieces that I took out didn't have that 
bulbous piece underneath, will they get flowers? Or They probably not? won't because they need the bulbous section because that's actually their storage area. Okay. If you've just had, if you've just got the foliage, I don't think it would survive. Um, you would need that bulbous thing because, the, as I said, that's its storage area, so that needs to be put in with the actual foliage. Okay, I thought that might be the case. Um, and the other thing, I have a flapjack that's got the, the big spike on it at yes. the moment. But it's also got a lot of white powder on it. Is that normal? or? It's not normal. It's actually oh. called powdery mildew. Um, it could be a, a fungal disease that's on it. As a precaution, I certainly would stress that you get some uh, mancozeb and then just mix that up according to directions and just give your flapjack uh, spray with the mancozeb. Oh, okay then. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye. There you go, and we're almost out of time. The clock has beaten us again for Gardening Talk back for another Monday afternoon, but we need to source through all those that called and participated to find a winner of the gift pack. We do, and I'll just run through it very quickly. It consists of this beautiful blueberry burst, which is a brand new variety of blueberry, as well as that, a carton of the Fostrogen Rose Tonic and a carton of the Aquamagic. That's the restoring granules, re-wetting re- granules, and as well as that, some sachets. And I'm going to give it to a male today, and I thought I might give it to Stephen of Maitland today. So Stephen, all you really need to do is make your way to Walls End Community Nursery. Remembering that's on the corner of Crowders and Lake Road, Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program because yes, I will have a brand new gift to give away next Monday. Congratulations there. Thank you to all our participants today. Without you, we don't have much of a show. We, <laughs> well, that's very true. We really love the calls. So please, we'll look forward to those again from midday next Monday. Thank you to David Peterson. Thank you, Dave, and good gardening, everyone.